Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is June 2nd, 2022. Joining me for today's podcast is the dynamic duo of tech journalism, that's Stuart Walpin, who scribes for Popular Mechanics, U.S. News, Techlicious, Investopedia, and other fine publications. John Quain, who writes for the New York Times, Smart Cities, and Tom's Guide. Rob Peguero, who frequently joins us and writes for Wirecutter, PC Magazine, and USA Today, is out on assignment. Gentlemen, good afternoon. The world's in great shape. The Yankees are up two zip. I think I think it's two zip. Um, how's your week going? Yeah, it's hard to do a podcast and watch a ball game at the same time. Right. Um, no, it's not hey, Stuart, <laughs> hey, wonderful new digs, uh, Stuart. I'm very impressed. When did you move? <laughs> Please do not be fooled by the surroundings. It's all green screen. Yes. Well, it makes me uh, feel John, as if I'm living in the lap of luxury. Well, John, I know your background is real. That is not a that is not a false background. This is the real deal, a Rothko print and a large screen TV that I reviewed sitting on the floor because I haven't packed it back up again yet. <laughs> I but hate yeah. it when you have the problems. Well, yeah. well anyway, uh, we've got a kind of an exciting week next week with uh, WWDC. We'll be getting into that in, in a few moments. Let us uh, kind of key up a topic that I do want to address, just given the timeliness of it. And that is, um, you know, given the horrific uh, shootings last week in Uvalde, that, you know, people are still kind of, well, still kind of reeling from the horrific uh, scale of the, um, of the of the massacre. I mean, you can't call it anything less than that. You know, I wrote something about uh, about this on my uh, LinkedIn newsletter. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a big fan of smart technology. I know you guys understand the benefits of smart technology as well. And, you know, I wrote a uh, what I thought was a pretty uh, interesting column on whether smart technology, if it's applied equally and consistently in a um, comprehensive ma uh, uh, manner, you know, could this incident been mitigated? I mean, it's hard to say that technology would completely have um, prevented this from happening. But um, I do really think there are things at the technology level that could certainly have thwarted this guy, you know, and prevented him from getting into the school. He might have eventually gotten to the school in other means. But, you know, whether it's smart um, sensors on doors, smart locks, uh, you know, I write about um, there's now acoustic um, sound technology that's been around actually for quite some time that allows um, uh, with, with again with acoustic sensors allows you to really pinpoint with incredible accuracy the location of a shooter. Um, there's all kinds of technology. We're, we'll obviously talk a little bit about the social media monitoring angle of this. But Stuart, let me start with you is that I know we're, you know, we're, we're, we're wringing our hands over gun control you know, background checks that are much more consistent. That that dialogue certainly needs to happen. But just confining the discussion to smart technology, can't we all agree on that, that smart technology could play a substantial role in, in kind of mitigating these kind of situations in the future? What, what's your view on that? No. Um, I really no. don't. It's a, cu a couple of things here. First, obviously, this is treating the symptom, not the disease, as I think we, we previously discussed. Uh, the second thing is this presupposes that there is a willingness and a financial freedom in order to implement any and all of these things. As we all know, 
school budgets are all local and not all school systems are created equal. So what you're going to end up having, if, even if you start implementing this, they cannot be implemented on a universal scale simply because there are school districts who will either be unable to or unwilling to um, uh, install these technologies. Remember during the COVID thing, there was a huge issue over installing ventilation systems simply because a lot of school systems couldn't afford it. So this would have to be a federal program and any federal education program always runs into political issues. So it's not a matter of the technologies, whether the technologies are effective or not. It's whether or not it can be applied universally and whether or not local school boards, especially in poor districts, could even afford to do these sorts of things. The second thing I'd like to note is that the, the, the most smart technology, the best smart technology is you know, the James Bond technology from um, from Skyfall, which is essentially making guns fingerprint, you know, smart guns that can only be fired by the people whose fingerprints are registered on the weapon. Um, and that has been something that has actually been discussed um, um, over the over the years. But of course, the gun makers and don't want to do that. Uh, it's an, it would make an expensive gun for one thing, and I don't think uh, legislators, which would be the problem with any of these smart technologies, would would be willing to spend the money to implement. So I think there are myriad issues involved in trying to rely on technology to solve, which is essentially a social behavioral problem. The 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 iconization of gun culture to the point where nobody even understands why the Second Amendment was written to begin with. No Thank you for that arm. detail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that detailed reply. You have that in your quiver, <laughs> ready to go. And I do appreciate that. Um, and before I reply to some of the things you just said, because I, I want to give John a, a chance to weigh in on, on, on that question, then I'll give you my, my rebuke. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I think this is one of those things. I mean, the, the technologies that you, you, you've talked about, but are like knowing where the kids are in a room, for example, which is and there definitely is, um, you know, uh, latest versions of radar that they were using in cars, for example, to see if there's somebody in the back seat if a Let's child see. is in the back seat. Right. And it, it obviates the privacy issue because it's not like a camera. You don't actually see the person, but you can detect that somebody's there. Um mm -hmm. And there is technology like that, and it's not horrifically expensive to do. But again, you know, these kids had the latest technology in the palm of their hand. They were talking to the police on the phone, on their smartphone, and it didn't do them any good. So, uh, you know, I think that this is a case where the technology can't supply an immediate answer. I mean, it definitely, it can supply an answer in terms of, instantaneous background checks i could do that you know i can link to any database certainly within seconds no excuse for that um tell you you know whether this person's ever threatened anybody and you know all that sort of thing that could be done but there has to be a political will there has to be society has to want to do that um and until the society wants to do that then we're just going to continue to see little kids get shot at school i mean there's really nothing else short of that that you can really do i think well, uh, no, there's no question the police response, which was horrific. That's the only way you could put wrap a, um, a, a characterization around that. I mean, I will say that to, to Stewart's point, yes. I mean, you know, most people don't know or don't realize. Well, maybe most people do understand this. If school funding is done at the local level. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, now, the federal government, though, has a longstanding history that when they want to provide programs, they, they do a carrot and stick approach where, hey, we got $100 million. If you do these things, you can get these dollars. You know, so I, I think the dollars can be supplied. My, my concern is, is, the, is a couple of things. In some of the less um, well-resourced uh, school districts, for example, the Uvalde district was in a, a part of Texas, which is probably very... Um, not poorly funded, but it's probably in a very um, uh, fiscally challenged um, part of Texas. Number two is the police force was only six people, by the way. Not too many people realize that, but it was a very small. And, and, and if the police force is only six people, I can only imagine the kind of resources they have at the, at the school district level. And to implement this kind of capability, and Stuart, I'm sure you appreciate this, you have to have really good IT expertise. Uh, you know, the high school in Los Gatos, California, or Cupertino, five minutes from me, probably has lots and lots of wonderful IT resources because we're in Silicon Valley. I'm suspecting that in, in Uvalde, Texas, you know, some of the kids probably have more IT expertise than the school itself. So there, there, there is that issue as well. And it has to be done consistently. You know, you have to have these sensors on every window and every door. There has to be um, uh, the capability to monitoring all that video with real-time alerts. Because you're not going to have the personnel to do that in real in real time, so you have right. that's, a, that's another right. IT issue that that's going to be worked out. It's a out. resource. It's not only a monetary resource; it, it's a personnel resource. And then the other thing yes. on this is we're only talking about the small. I won't say small. That's not the right word. But the but the but the instances of school shootings. Just yesterday, there was the Oklahoma shooting, which was not a school. We have hundreds of these mass shootings, and only a, you know the highly publicized ones are the school ones because they involve kids but most mass shootings are not in school and so we may solve some of the mass shootings at school problems by instituting some of these technologies in those districts that have the resources both on the the personnel side and the financial side and the willingness side to do it but it it barely addresses the larger issue of the daily mass shootings i was i went to to find a list there are lists everywhere of mass shootings, which is defined as four casualties in from one single incident. And it, there are literally one every day every somewhere day. in the country. There are very, very few of them that are actually at schools. They simply the ones at schools simply to be end up being the high casualty and high publicized event but that's only a small it's only a fraction yes. of the amount of casualties from mass shootings every day so applying this smart technology to school i think is a percent of a percent of the solutions which have to be far more widespread and it all starts obviously with access to firearms to begin with no, and, right and, and, and I, Stuart, I agree with that i think the biometric um Fingerprint capability on guns would be great. That's what I was Again, think of. With, with 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 400 million guns in the in the in the world uh, in the country, which is that's the other problem. Kind of, there are more guns than people in the country. I'm not right. sure how many people are willing to you know. Hey, let me trade in my gun and buy a more expensive gun that it, it has right. a fingerprint sensor on it. Right. Although I think you had buyback programs, but you're right. The amount of guns in the country. This is like turning off the faucet after your house has been underwater for two years. You know, you still have yeah, all this water to deal with. You know, I mean, just turning yeah. off the faucet, it's not going to help. Well, it's, there's also, there's very limited, you know, protections you can get. Like the biometrics won't help you because in the last two cases, last three cases, 
they all bought their own guns. They took went and bought on the a, a, of the a semi-automatic weapon, a semi-automatic weapon, and within hours took it and murdered a bunch of people. That's how quickly yep. they were able to do it. So it's yeah, not going to really I'm, make any difference. And the, yeah. you know, the shot spotter technology is great too. Uh, you know, I live in Manhattan. I understand, you know, an urban environment and uh, the problems in cities like Chicago. But it's after the fact. It's just trying to police uh, an area because you just don't have a human being to put on every street corner. Well, uh, so what, I, what, I, what I struggle with, and we could talk about this forever, yeah. is that in this particular case, in Uvalde, apparently the kid, the, I won't even call him a kid because he was, he was a nut job. Um, apparently he bought 325 rounds. At, <laughs> at a, uh, you know, th yeah. There has to be a, you know, I was saying, that, you know, and, I, and by the way, I am not a gun person myself. You know, there are gun people and they're not gun people. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, a firm believer in the Second Amendment, but guns scare the crap out of me for a whole bunch of different reasons. So I, I kind of a, I have kind of a, a different profile than your classic, you know, um, Second Amendment type of person um, on that topic. But there, I mean, it, 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 it's incredible to me that you, there that someone might say, "Hey, kid, you're 18 years old. Why are you buying 300 rounds of of of, of ammunition?" Now there could be a very legitimate reason. Maybe maybe they were going to Chuck E. Cheese for its birthday party and they went to a shooting uh, shooting range type of thing. But they ought to be vetted. You know, there, there should be a visit by a cop or a phone call saying, "Hey, why is this? You know, why are you buying so much ammunition?" You know, and right. and, and and John, to your point, the background checks is wonderful, except that. It's inconsistent across most of the country. And in many of these shootings, the, bat, the, the person hasn't committed any crimes. It's not on the radar. You know, it's not on the proverbial, well, this guy committed a crime. Why does he have a gun in the first place? Type of right. Thing. But so, there's no reason for it to be inconsistent. You can make it consistent. Yes, like, I can, can access. I can yes. get like, you know, oh, my friendly neighborhood hacker media. can, right, can access every database. That's not really an issue. You can certainly do that if you wanted to, it, you know, if yeah. you were willing to put that in place. And I'll, I'll just point out, you know, look, there are lots of guns in Canada, too. Lots and lots of guns. This stuff just doesn't happen there. You know, they have to the guns have to be locked up. There are age restrictions. There's certain kinds of guns you can't get, you know, that would kill people licensing. really fast. So, licensing licensing is a pretty You can't drive a car here without a license or you're not supposed to, you know, but um, so all of that. Th there are differences that people need to look at and consider solutions. So but, uh, you wow. know. I, I love technology. That's my life. But, um, you know, when it can't do something, I got to admit, it can't do something here. Well, I'll, I'll just leave you on this because you mentioned the permit or the, 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 the licensing piece is that growing up in good old New Jersey, I was I was into model rockets. Remember model rockets? No, I used those. Absolutely. And in New Jersey, and this Estes is Estes rockets. Estes and Centauri. You remember they had a thing called the egg rock. You could put an egg in it. And yeah. some of those, those rockets could go like 3,000 feet. Yeah. And in New Jersey, you had to have a license. You had to have a permit. And you had to, it's, you know, you had to agree to, I'm not going to fire right. these, um, rockets near Newark Airport, <laughs> which, of course, nobody, I don't know how they could enforce that. But my point is, if you're going to regulate the sale of rocket engines from hobby stores, <laughs> you could do a much better job at a national level, you know, managing the, uh, the ammunition topic yeah. but let's go to another topic here we'll go from one uh one firepower topic to another and that is um we've got apple wwdc 22 next week um it's always a losing proposition you know kind of betting on what the heck is going to be unveiled there i mean there are some sure things of course you can um 
uh, you can uh, bet on. They'll be up. They'll be updating um, iOS. They'll be up, up uh, updating macOS. You know, at a, at a at a macro level, to me, it's always fascinating. You know, are those operating systems getting close together? Do we see a, a a day one day when you'll have just one universal operating system against across all your devices? Apple's positioning themselves very nicely with that because now they own the the the, the processor architecture across all their devices, which makes that task a lot easier. Easier. There's the ongoing debate versus touch and non-touch operating systems like a like a desktop operating system. Uh, you know, there's rumors that um, you know that they'll be unveiling their new M2. You know, and I saw, actually saw a story this morning that said the M2 that uh, Apple, uh, since they're not getting to the to the uh, right process technology, at least in 2022, the performance may not be as um, uh, shattering as the M1 was when they announced that. Uh, we'll see if that happens. And of course, everybody is kind of you know uh, holding their breath on do we get any more hints on Apple Car. John, which is probably right up, uh, going to be right up your alley. Right. Uh, are they actually finally going to announce Apple glasses? Because, you know, my big thing with Apple is that they really haven't been in a new product category, you know, since the Apple Watch, you know, which was a, you know, which, which was a breakthrough platform from, for them. But, you know, since then, it's really been rinse and repeat, uh, which is not bad. Their business is doing, pre doing pretty okay. But, John, let me start with you in terms of, you know, what will you be looking out for, if anything? Gosh, you know, I, I'm I'm a terrible, terrible prognosticator for Apple, but um, I do think you will not see anything about an Apple car. I don't think <laughs> okay. that's, you know, I, I think I'll go the negative route and you won't see anything about an Apple car. Um, could they do a deal with some automakers? I suppose, but they've been, you know, inching toward, but they're just, they're nowhere near anything like that. And I, and I don't think that they have any realistic plans for anything like that. Um, I guess I, I'd be just going with the hints that that one code, the idea of, you know, being able to write it once and run on all the Apple products. I have a feeling that that tagline has some hidden meaning into it. Yep. I think so. That, that goes to your point about, gee, we'd like to have one OS or one close to, you know, something like that. So you can write a mobile app and then it runs on, you know, not just iPhones, but also on the desktop. That would be, that would be a big deal. That would be a big it deal. Be a big deal. Yes. And I suspect if I had to make a bet, you know, and I am a bit of a betting man, I would bet that you're going to hear more about that, you know, because think about the resources, the uh, savings, not only Apple would accrue, but developers now, you know, because, hey, I come from a product company, given my product, uh, my uh, marketing background. Right. You know, when you have to have staff write applications for one operating system versus another operating system, there's always some leverage. But if it's common code across the uh, across the uh, device platform level, that's a big deal. That's yeah, a big I think deal. you'd see a lot more apps. You'd see a lot more people jumping on that right away for exactly mm -hmm. that reason. Yeah, so, Stuart, you're you're a betting man, right? That's how you want well. To, I think that, the cross operating they've been work they've been working on that cross operating system stuff for years, and the rumor is that the new operating system will be called Mammoth. Um, OS 13, OS X 13, um, and uh, with iOS 16, the other thing that I'm sort of looking forward to is possibly an always on screen like they have on the new series, the new Apple Watches, which is sort of like a half brightness and they step down 
the screen resolution to the point so it, when you pick up your phone at least you could see what the time is and what the weather is or whatever you put on your on your lock screen that you'll be able to see it without turning on your phone so i think that would be a really interesting upgrade on the technology obviously obviously this is always as you mentioned this is almost always a software show it's not really a hardware show um, but the the big news that they that that is being tossed around is the potential for an announcement of Apple TV and the NFL. Um, yes. That what they're doing, what they just did with baseball. That Apple TV, Apple may have grabbed a huge piece of the NFL um, TV market, which would be obviously a huge step up for them and allow them to advertise all their other programming and it would be a it would be a game changer i think in the streaming industry if they grabbed some of the nfl piece again it's a rumor we don't know that they'll actually do it but there have been rumors and this would be the time to announce such a thing yeah i mean the rumor i've actually seen rumors that that, that claim that the deal is already done and they're just mm -hmm. waiting for the right moment to pull the cover right now, I also saw some yeah i saw, also saw some data would be interested to get your opinion, Stuart, on it was a real crazy, you know, one of the reasons why I think people are not that crazy about the um, the direct TV package that you could now stream the um, uh, Sunday ticket, which you, you know, which, by the way, you can, you don't have to have a satellite dish. You can stream that uh, local right. uh, to, your, uh, to your device, but it's very expensive. I mean, it's like over the course of the year, you know, during the football season, I want to say it's a couple hundred bucks, 250 bucks. It's not like baseball. Baseball is far yeah. less expensive if you want the streaming package. And the rumors I saw that they were going to have a very low price for it, which I, I don't know. Maybe I read the article the wrong way, but I would be shocked if you know Apple, you know, sometime somehow create a new value proposition by you know, hey, we can do this. We're, we're going to give it to you for fifty dollars or sixty dollars versus the, the well, the Apple one, Apple can afford. They're one of the very few streaming companies that can actually afford it. Um, especially considering that they're they're not being as hard hit by what we're going to talk about next, or one of the next topics is all this all the factory shutdowns in in China. So iPhone sales are unlikely to be as heavily effective, and iPhone obviously makes a fifty percent or so of Apple revenues. The other side is that I am sure that Apple is still willing to take a loss on 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 the NFL if it boosts their streaming profile, which is a, right. Apple is one of the very few companies that really thinks out into the really long term and understands the value of a short term investment for long term gain. They've been shown over and over and over again that they're really good at that um, right. at, at willing to take that that kind that kind of a, make that kind of a move. So the fact that they may charge very little or include it in in the Apple one bundle that they have now. Um, with all the fitness stuff and Apple Music and and um, and as well as Apple TV, it makes perfect sense because they offer so many. Unlike Netflix, all Netflix does is content, whereas Apple has all these other. You know, all they do is movies and, and TV. Apple has all these other right. services that can bundle all together and make a very attractive package that. If it doesn't lose them money, make them money, certainly won't lose them money because they have so many other things to to package it with. Well, and, and the reason why they you you could see them do some type of announcement around this NFL thing at WWDC because if they wait until September when they generally announce new iPhones, the, the football season's already begun. So already they started. Might not yeah. So this is this is the perfect yeah, time to announce yeah. it. 
Yeah. I mean, they could do another event, I guess, in August, but you know, you know WWDC gets tremendous attention. Because they're know, probably going to want to do stuff that leads into training camps. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be interesting. Which is all this. Comment. Let me just get John's opinion, then I want to get through your your quick 30 seconds on it. Will we see Apple glasses? I mean, uh, with the, you know. Not this year. They may announce an operating system for it. They may announce some technology partners, but we I doubt very much that we will see. Again, this is not usually a hardware introduction show. So my guess is that we don't see Apple Glasses or Apple AR until 2023. That's my that's my guess. John, you agree with that, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, the technology is not, doesn't exist yet to enable that. You know, the Google Glass, and I remember what everybody called those people who wore those glasses. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, that's as good as it gets right now. It hasn't improved very much. Um, it's, it's the same thing with a metaverse problem, right? There's no metaverse. I mean, that's right now it's a pipe dream. You know, Second Life has been around forever and it's still around. Um, so I don't think we'll see anything this year unless somebody in a lab somewhere has come up with some technology that I'm not aware of. But. I, I, I'm just, I'm just do, very dubious. And, you know, Apple, you know, Hey, they're, they're successful in just about everything they do, but it would be an tr incredible embarrassment if they announced something that was kind of half cocked, you know, and, right. and uh, was more kind of a gadget. And, you know, right. I, I like to use the phrase with people, you know, pr a problem that is, you know, a solution looking for a problem to solve. Right. Now, there's no right. question there are a AR and VR and glasses that have very niche, very narrow usage model um, application that are highly productive. But in terms of a general piece of technology that I wear on my face in public around, I'm still struggling. You know, with pri there's privacy considerations. There's aesthetic considerations. I mean, I don't know if I want to walk around public with something that looks really weird, which is what I, obviously Google um, suffered with. So we're going to see what happens. You mean Let like us what Stuart's wearing, a pair of glasses? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> those are called, called Walpin glasses. You can get right. them. I wear glasses. Hey, I'm laughing. Yeah. But I wear glasses normally, yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, let's hit our next topic here. I know you guys are going to have a, a, um, have a very strong opinion on this. We actually kind of chatted about this about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, that, that there has been a Supreme Court decision blocking the Texas and Florida social media laws that were designed to allow people to sue social media sites if they could create, if they could prove that their children were harmed or there was harm involved. Uh, Stuart, your view on this. Well, the argument that the uh, the the anti-social media people are making, um, which tend to be on the cons on the right, which is that these companies, the the platforms are censoring uh, conservative thought, which of which there is no independent research that indicates this at all. It's it's all perceptual. Um, but the problem is the 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 legal argument that they're making is that these platforms are so prevalent and so powerful that they should be redefined as common carriers and fall under the same laws that rule telephone companies. In other words, what they're saying is if you call somebody, the telephone company can't censor your call. That's essentially the argument that is being made. From a pure um, um, legal point of view, what's happening is that there's a similar law in Florida and you have two district courts who have ruled in two different ways. You have the Fifth Circuit, 
in Texas and that covers the Texas territory, which says, oh, we agree that 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 HB 20, which is the law in Texas, is, is perfectly fine, which is what the Supreme Court just blocked with three conservative judges, by the way, Roberts, Kavanaugh and um, Amy Coney Barrett um, in favor of. And then you have the Florida law, which was ruled against by the 11th Circuit. So what you have here is a split circuit decision on essentially the same types of laws. So this is what is going to lead it to get to the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court is the only one who could resolve the issues between the Fifth Circuit and the Eleventh Circuit. And again, the whole argument rests upon whether or not these serv- the, the government, the courts, should redefine these services as common carriers. Now, of course, we have the FCC, and we really who actually makes these determinations. And I don't think we've heard anything out of the FCC, whether or not they're, they have filed an amicus brief um, along with the tech companies or not, whether or not they're remaining. In, I, I honestly don't know where the FCC is. I can guess where the FCC would stand considering its political makeup. But I think this is not going to be resolved until it gets to the Supreme Court. And the fact that that three conservative judges aren't looking at it the same way as the Fifth District is, if you are in favor of keeping these platforms, platforms and treating them as private entities that are not subject to First Amendment um, guarantees, then you have reason to be hopeful. But again, in this strange world we live in, anything can happen. (laughs) Well, yes, there's a a whole lot I can do with that comment, but yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) So John, what are are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the, the, the first, the first, point is obviously by no stretch of the imagination are any of these people common carriers just just technically they're just not you know if they're common carriers my dog is a common carrier all right they just don't have the technology they don't you know they're not a common carrier they don't even own the servers they don't own the no you know they're just so much of the stuff they have nothing to do with being a common carrier so that's out um so why has this come up? Well, because people want certain people back on some of these services. That That's one reason. But the other reason is, you know, sort of at root, if you go back a few years, 10 years or so, who's really to blame for this? Facebook is to blame for this. These companies that wanted Yelp is to blame for this. They wanted basically to be regarded as common carriers initially because they didn't want to be responsible for the material that was on their websites, which is basically what they are. They're just websites really big dispersed distributed websites, but they're just websites. So they didn't want to be responsible for that. Oh, people say terrible things about your restaurant or, oh, people say terrible things on Twitter. Ah, I don't want to be responsible for that. How could I monitor all that? They wanted to be like common carriers. And now, so the conservatives come back a few years later and go, oh, you want to be a common carrier? All right, then. So you've got to have Nazi speech on there and everything that, you know, it just, it's it's really if they they got themselves into this mess, right? If if well, they had, um, you know, I, stuck with what I, they are, I, John, would, I agree with that. But and I know you guys will agree with this. In many in many states, a law will be proposed, knowing full well that it's never going to pass or maybe challenge at the constitutional level in a, in a federal district court or ultimately in the Supreme Court. But they're, it's doing it to placate a political group. Okay, everybody. We all know that social media companies are bad companies. I'm we're going to p- see if we can get away with passing this law, and that builds their credibility up with their base. 
you know, and, and by the way, that happens on both sides. It's not purely a Republican or a Democratic thing. And because and, I know you guys mm-hmm. are open minded and know that. But I really think this falls into the same uh, bailiwick. And I suspect a, the Supreme Court with its, you know, obviously it's, it's um, skewed toward a conservative bent. I think you'll be surprised that they won't they won't uphold those laws. I, I just it's hard for me to believe that. Maybe. Well, you know, I, also I know obviously might... being being conservative, especially where Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett and John Roberts are concerned, is a very pro business stance. And the Texas law is very anti business. It it, it, right. it does exactly what conservatives has always been against in implying regulations to public to public. Uh, private uh, private companies and that's something that mainstream conservatives are always in horror about is over regulation and in, in essence that's what the texas law is doing is trying to impose regulations on private companies right yeah well but, yeah we'll see go ahead, go ahead, john. john right yeah john give us give me 10 10 seconds let's wrap the, this one up well, I, I was just thinking about all the weird obama era rules and regulations that came into place too that that flipped this that was subject of you know lobbying groups on the on the technology side of course again sort of protecting those companies from being sued for content that they would might be on twitter or might be on yelp or facebook and so they very much wanted that but uh that sort of treats them like a common carrier that was kind of the idea there well how could i police all that but of course they could police all that there's no reason why they shouldn't Money is the reason they shouldn't. Um, but Money. yeah, it'll be interesting oh, yeah. to see what I'm what I thought was striking about the Supreme Court blocking that was that the Supreme Court, I can't remember who wrote the opinion, but basically they don't understand how to Stewart's point, they don't understand what the internet is or how it works because the idea that they would think it was an issue that oh, maybe these are like common carriers means you do not understand how the internet works. I mean, that's just plain flat out and that was kind of frightening it was like oh great so as Stuart says these are the people that are going to make those decisions that's kind of scary no you, you again I, I like to remind you guys you can extend that to congress as well you know yeah, you're not absolutely we've talked many times when you get these senators and you know congressmen or congresswomen yeah. um who've been not you know uh, when i hear nancy pelosi talk about technology i get very frightened because clearly <laughs> You know, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's one, you know, you can take a position on an issue and there's a lot of ways you can come into an issue, but in a fact-based type of way, you may not agree with it, but you can come to it in a very rational way. That doesn't happen in Washington a lot, unfortunately. You know, people get to it, you know, but hey, you know, got to get to the next topic here. I'll start to get really frustrated here. Um, (laughs) Uh, We don't want to do that on a Thursday here. So let's hit the last topic here. Oh, yeah. I don't think this really surprised a lot of people, but I, I um, because this is just an, this is kind of the baby formula problem now extended to uh, smartphones. But it looks like the China lockdowns um, are really um, impacting supply chain issues related to smart, uh, smartphone shipments. Um, Singapore, you know, has is, is, is been in, uh, has really been um, really um, uh, um, handcuffed, you know, from a lockdown standpoint. But there's really large sections of Asia. Uh, of China that have really been subject to the uh, to more and more and uh, more comprehensive lockdowns. I guess the question really is, um, do you see this having an impact, not just on smart home sh- uh, smartphone shipments, it obviously will, but will it change the behavior? You know, like, could you see an Apple delay a iPhone announcement or they're just going to announce in September as they normally do with 
what, much more limited uh, availability. I mean, do you think it will, will change behavior from an announcement and go to market standpoint, Stuart? There was already, there was a, um, there have been stories already that one iPhone 14 model, and it's got to be the top line, the Pro Max model, because that's obviously the most technology written, is delayed by three weeks, that they're already three weeks behind on the development and access to components uh, that would start the man that they would be starting the manufacturing process, which usually starts sometime in late June and early July. So unless somehow Apple makes that up, but a couple of other stories that have emerged yesterday or today, um, it, the stories are that Apple is moving a vast majority of its iPad manufacturing to Vietnam, um, which is yeah. an enormous move. And obviously you just can't turn on a dime. That means that they've been working on this for a while. They have been shifting some production of both iPhones and especially iPads to Vietnam over the last couple of years. But the fact that now they're going to, make the vast majority of them out of Vietnam is huge because what it signals is perhaps the end of the reliance on the Chinese factories um, for production. Samsung, for instance, even though it's a Korean company, has announced that it will be shipping 30 million fewer phones in 2022 than originally planned. They had originally planned to manufacture or produce 310 million phones. They're now shooting at 280 million. Um, so uh, the three primary Chinese vendors, uh, Xiaomi, Oppo, and Vivo, have all announced or through their earnings that their Q1 shipments just crashed. The local market in China is a disaster area, especially for the home the home brands other than Honor. Honor is the only one who seemed to be bucking the trends in China. And China it right now is the world's largest smartphone market. Um, I'm not counting India because I don't have 5G there yet. So there's all sorts of these rumblings going on, the factory lockdowns, the, the regional lockdowns, making it very difficult to make the phones. A lot of the factories there, by the way, or growing number of them, are moving their workers closer to the factories and quarantine them to make a closed system between living quarters and factory to avoid a lot of the regional lockdowns and try to overcome some of this. But this is going to be a disaster for Q2 um, and potentially leak into Q3 and whether or not it delays iPhone models in, in, in late Q3, early Q4, open question right now. And, and John, you, I think uh, I'd like to opine on the the uh, economic. I know you're not an econ economist, but if something like this happens, where smartphone shipments really get cut back quite a bit, it has a ripple effect. And we're already in a recessionary environment. I mean, some people say we're in a recession already. Will this, you know, contribute to that? You know, from an impact standpoint. Right. I, I think that some of this is not um, the announcements about reduced um, output from some of these manufacturers is not actually supply chain at all. It's demand. No. They can see that they're not going to have some of the demand for some of these the rest of the year. And they're already planning out. They're looking at the inflation rates. All our bills are going up. I mean, I've got to go and get groceries after this podcast. I'm afraid of getting groceries. And I, that means I'll have to cut back somewhere else, right? It means I'm not going to buy that webcam that I was going to upgrade or maybe not upgrade my smartphone. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. And then there is this unpredictability of the supply chain in that we all, we all touted just in time 
manufacturing delivery for so many years. So we got there and it made it very unpredictable. There's some little hiccup as we've discovered with my grape nuts or baby formula, and it just throws everything out. So I think that it's part of the demand and part of that, you know what, we're going to have some supply chain hiccups going out there. So we'll just not plan on making as many as we were going to this year. Um, the Shanghai experience, I think I mentioned this to you guys uh, last week, but a couple of the factories, the people were locked down in the factory. Mm-hmm. So I visited a bike retailer, a bicycle retailer, and she told me, oh, I can't get bikes from so-and-so and I can't get bikes from so-and-so. I won't say who the manufacturers are or the brands are, but this one manufacturer is sending me dozens of bikes. And sure enough, her e-bikes were just filling up this retail outlet because they were locked into the factory. They were literally quarantined in the factory. So that manufacturer continued to churn out e-bikes. So, you know, ah, that seems like a crazy idea. Just, you know, so you're right, though, Mark, it could be that as they build these like corporate bubbles, like we've seen in many countries where they have the Samsung city, Samsung apartments next to the Samsung factory. And, you know, a lot of yeah, these. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, I we'll think, see that because of this, you know. Yeah, I, the way I think I'll, I'll wrap this up is I think that if all of this is accurate and there's every reason to believe that it is. Yeah. This is going to test the brand loyalty of Apple in ways that I never thought they'd be. I think they'd never be thought they'd be tested. I mean, when you start talking about, especially at the high end, yeah. when you start talking about fourteen, fifteen hundred dollar phones, which is where Apple, you know, plays, you know, with their right. higher end uh, models, and then you look at gasoline that out here in California now is right. six, seven, eight dollars a gallon. I got to drive. Right. I can still use my iPhone 13 or my iPhone 12. Exactly. <laughs> you know, make the trade off. And, uh, and to your point, John, this is really um, uh, exposing the challenges. Uh, you know, just-in-time manufacturing is great when you don't have these problems. You know, you have, you know, the supply right. chain is running like a finely tuned machine. But when some of the cylinders are not firing, these kind of things happen. So um, it's going to be an interesting... Only, only uh, the strong is your weakest link. Right. Yes. You are the weakest link. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Great way to conclude the, the uh, podcast, uh, Stuart. <laughs> so, guys, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast. For our viewing and listening audience, thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Vina Tech Guy. If you haven't already, please make a donation to the Red Cross or your preferred charitable organization to help the brave people of Ukraine in their time of need. And until next time, guys, have a great week. Talk to you soon.